The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. To Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tung. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation and I'm your host, Peter Tung. Thank you for joining us today. The intention in these episodes is to give you insights to how the planet is shifting in frequency and vibration to a new level of awareness and how you can be part of this grand awakening. And I'm really excited today to welcome to our show Dr. Bruce Lipton, author of Biology of Belief and co-author of Spontaneous Evolution. He was the 2009 recipient of the Goy Peace Award for his work in the new biology and new science supporting global peace and harmony. Bruce, I'm so delighted you're with us on the show today. Thank you for joining us. Oh, Peter, I so appreciate this, and I'm so uh, pleased that we have a, a wonderful audience of cultural creatives, people out there looking for uh, answers to, to the chaos that we're seeing right now, and we have some, some answers for them. Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, enough questions. Time for answers. <laughs> exactly. So, actually, I'd love you to start off by telling us a little bit about how this all unfolded for you, having been a traditional cell biologist in well-known universities, teaching and doing your research, and then something happened to shift your whole view, basically turning the biology of belief upside down and, and, and all those assumptions, too. So tell us how that all began. Well, it, it's uh, first of all, the, the most interesting fact is as I was a kid, uh, there was a choice of uh, listening to the spiritual wisdom of my elders or the scientific wisdom, and uh, I, I actually gravitated toward the science, I think basically because those that were offering the spiritual wisdom, I, I looked at their lives and somehow it didn't really match all the wonderful words that they said, but the science people, uh, you know, it was like a truth in science is true here and it's a true on the other side of the world, and so uh, I, I moved away from spirit, didn't believe in it, got into the uh, biomedical realm and got so deep into it that I was teaching medical students uh, the, the biology of a uh, concept of a, uh, a human body representing uh, a molecular machine made out of biochemicals and controlled by genes so that it was just this uh, automaton kind of view of life. It's just mechanical and chemical. So I'm teaching that and teaching the story about how genes control life. And while I'm doing that, I'm cloning stem cells, and, uh, and this is interesting because a lot of people think stem cells are like relatively new in our world or something like that, but I actually was cloning stem cells back in uh, 1967, so that was like 40-some years ago. And what I did, very simple experiment, is you, you isolate one single stem cell, put it into a culture dish by itself, and it divides every 10 hours about, and uh, after 
couple of weeks, I have thousands of cells in the Petri dish. But the most important thing is every cell is genetically identical with every other cell because they came from the same parent. And uh, then what I did is I split up my, my uh, uh, cells in the Petri dish, split them up into three groups, put them into three different Petri dishes, and in each Petri dish, I put a, a different growth medium with some slight chemical differences. So there were um, three dishes with identical cells in it, and then there was a growth medium, uh, the culture medium, slightly different in each dish. And the culture medium is the environment for a cell. A cell lives in culture medium. It's just as much as we live uh, on the surface of the planet and breathe air and drink water and eat food. Uh, cells live in their culture medium, and that's the equivalent of their world. So... Uh, what happened was in one dish the cells form muscle, the other dish they form bone, and in the last dish they form fat cells. And the big obvious question that was looming right there was, well, what controls the fate of the cells? And, and the most important understanding was, well, they were all genetically identical when I put them in the Petri dish, and the only thing that was different was the environment. And I started to recognize, oh, my God, the, uh, the environment was controlling the genetics, not the genes controlling the cells. And so as you change the environment, you change the fate of the cells. And so for a very simple, I mean, I take a healthy dish of cells, put it into a less than optimum environment, and the cells get sick. And then if I was in a conventional medical world at that time, I'd say, well, geez, what kind of drugs can I give my cells to get them well again? And it turns out, no, you, you, you don't give them any drugs. You just take the dish from the bad environment, move it right back into the good environment, and the cells immediately recover and, and, and regain their health. And basically... The fate of a cell is controlled by the environment. A good environment uh, is healthy, and a less than optimum environment causes illness. And, uh, and so you say, well, this is really nice, cells in a Petri dish, and now the environment changes when you change the culture medium, uh, and how the fate changes with that. That's cool, but then here comes the connecting part. We look at ourselves in the mirror and see a single human looking back. So, Peter, there you are in the mirror looking at yourself as one human. Me, there's Bruce in the image of one human. And I go, you know, this is a misperception. Because if you had eyes uh, with the power of a microscope, you would look at yourself and say, I'm not a one entity. I'm a community of 50 trillion cells. It's the cells that are the living entities, and it's the community of cells that, uh, that represents a body. And so, in absolute truth, a human body is the equivalent of a skin-covered Petri dish with 50 trillion cells inside. And then I say, yeah, and there's a culture medium in there, yeah, and that culture medium is called blood. And the composition of the blood, just as the composition in the plastic dish uh, of culture medium in a plastic dish affects the fate of the cells, the composition of the blood is the culture medium that controls the fate of the cells. And then we get down to the last little piece and we say, yeah, but what controls the, the composition or chemistry of the blood? And the answer is the, the brain. And the brain does that in response to our thoughts, our beliefs, our perception, uh, equivalent of what we call the mind. So all of a sudden I said, look, put the pieces together, and it goes like this. The mind interprets the outer world, and then it adjusts the chemistry of the blood via the brain. So we adjust our chemistry in response to what we experience. And the chemistry inside our body now, the blood, affects the fate of the cells. So basically, it's whether you're a cell in a Petri dish or a human on the surface of the planet, your fate is controlled by your interaction with the environment. And why that's important, it's very simply, 
what I was teaching medical students and what most people have learned is genes control your life. So uh, you didn't pick the genes as far as you know. You can't change the genes if you don't like the traits. Uh, so you become what we call a victim of heredity. Whatever genes are in your family, cancer, diabetes, whatever disease, and you say, oh, my God, uh, these genes are going to you know, give me that disease. And it turns out the new science revealed, no, the genes are potentials and it's the environment that elicits the potentials, and then why is that relevant? Old story, genes control your life, you're a victim. New story, the environment influences your life, and the relevance is since you have a choice and you can change your environment, then all of a sudden you become the master of your genes because it's you who are interacting with the environment, which is then controlling the cell. So if you change your perceptions or behaviors, you change your genetics. And then it's like, oh, my God, we're not victims of our genes. We're actually masters of it, but we didn't know that it was how we respond to the environment that controls it. And with the new science, it returns a power to us to control our health if we understand how it works. And that's the most exciting thing about the biology of belief. Certainly is. So, so tell us a little bit of, about disease then and, and, and what, what, what that, that causes that within our system and, and how this shift in, in perception and belief, we can, we can clear those diseases and illnesses. Yeah, well, the, the, the old story of what I was teaching in school and what almost every listener on this phone has, uh, conversation has, has uh, experienced in their education is that uh, genes were something like a computer program. You get the genes and the computer program selects which genes are going to turn on and off, and, and therefore you, you just live inside your skin uh, with a, some automatic control of your genes. And we also say, like, the gene turned on and a gene turned off or, you know, a cancer gene so we attribute all this to the genes. The, the, that's called genetic control, that theory, which simply says control by genes. The new science, which was uh, pioneered in that research I was doing with the stem cells, says that, no, the, the genes don't control it, that the environmental information selects and modifies the genes based on what's going on in the world. And the new science, which is just coming into the public uh, awareness right now, is called epigenetic control, and that's why it's real important people have to understand this. It's like complete revolution because um, epigenetic, the prefix epi, means above. So I, I say the word like epidermis, that means skin, but what does it mean? Epidermis means above the dermis. Well, that's the layer below the skin, so it means above the dermis. When I say epigenetic control, it literally says control above the genes. And this is the whole revolution because the control is not in the genes. Genes are blueprints. Genes are just like a, a architectural blueprints to build a house. And you say, well, what, what's the relevance? Well, they build the proteins, uh, which are the building blocks of our body. And I go, well, that's cool, but here's the essence of a blueprint. You, you go into an architect's office, and, and she's working on a blueprint. And you lean over her shoulder, and you ask the architect, you say, um, excuse me, uh, is that blueprint on or off? And, and, of course, she'll turn around and look at you like, well, what are you talking about? It's a blueprint. It's not on or off. And it's like, aha, <laughs> that's exactly the issue. Genes are blueprints. There's no on and off. They're just blueprints. And then the question is, well, uh, uh, how does it work? Well, if blueprints 
uh, ran themselves. Like we talked about genes turning themselves on and turning themselves off. The architect would just have to drive by a building site, throw the blueprints into the lot, drive away, and then the blueprints would build the building. Well, that's what we are suggesting when we say, oh, genes are building the body and genes are controlling things. And it turns out, no, that's not how it works. Uh, th- there's a contractor a contractor that is building the building, and the contractor is the one that selects the blueprints, and the contractor is the one that can modify the blueprints. And then you say, okay, that's about building buildings. What about the body? And I go, uh, the genes are the blueprints, and the mind is the contractor. Whatever the mind is picturing or perceiving, uh, that mind will influence the genetics and change even the readout of a gene. I mean, here's a number that if you think about it, it's like mind-boggling. A gene is a blueprint. That's what it is. But here's an interesting fact. How you interact with the environment, your perception of the world, your beliefs about life, you can modify each gene blueprint, and this is a number that's staggering. You can create over 30 thousand different variations of product from the same blueprint by changing your perception. And then all of a sudden you can make 30,000 variations of your gene, gene's action by changing your blueprint. And the answer is yes. So it says, well, uh, how do you do that? And you say, well, you change your perception. And as you so Bruce, perception, we're actually coming yeah. up to our first break. Oh, no! By very quickly. <laughs> so when we come back, perhaps you can talk to us about how we actually change those perceptions. This is Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. How do we walk our true spiritual path at a time when the Western world is fixated on material gain? More people are now recognizing the emptiness which comes with this limited approach to life. There is another way. Four years ago, Peter Tung left his position as a high school principal with 30 years experience in the education system and turned to his true calling of a metaphysical life. He now uses his experience and wisdom to provide solutions to personal and organizational challenges. Peter offers corporate workshops and seminars, public meditations, radio interviews, healing sessions, and community visits to bring awareness of the new paradigm. The Awakening to conscious co-creation. Visit petertongue.com today to register for events and to purchase his transformative visualization meditation CDs. You can also download the meditation CDs as MP3s if you wish for listening on your computer or on the go. These are available now at petertongue.com. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. What's it like? What's it like? It's lonely. It's really lonely. I miss my brother. I miss my brother. I'm surrounded by other people, but it's not the same. I've got other people around me, but it's not the same. 
It's pretty scary, but I don't let it rattle me. It's pretty me. scary, Ryan, but I don't let it rattle me. You always have to watch your back. There's no one to watch my back. I spend my whole day worried who's out to I'm get me. I'm always wondering who's out to get me. But I can take care of myself. But I can take care of myself. No matter what, I'll keep my head up. No matter what, I'll keep my head up. It's not like I have a choice. It's not like I have a choice. This will all be over in five years, three months, and 17 days. This will all be over in five years, three months, and 17 days. Go to jail for a gun crime and your family serves a sentence with you. Something to think about before committing a gun crime. Gun crimes hit home. This message brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Hello and welcome back to Awakening to Co-Creation with your host Peter Tong. And I have with me today Dr. Bruce Lipton who was talking about the new biology of belief before the break. Uh, Bruce, you were about to talk about perceptions that we have and how important they are in a healthy life. Well, uh, very basically, our summary from before was that genes are controlled by the mind interacting uh, with the environment and then adjusting the genes to create a biology that matches the environment. That's the success of nature. And I said, well, the interface between the environment and the genes is the mind. And so our perceptions, our beliefs, attitudes, emotions that are generating our mind are actually creating a chemistry in our body that controls the genes. And then there's this um, this uh, important, uh, what I would say, a revelation that leads to a revolution. Uh, and here's the revelation. Uh, that, yes, the mind controls it, but there's two parts to the mind. There's the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. Very different instruments working together. The conscious mind is the part of the mind that evolved most recently, and it's, create, it's connected to our, our spiritual source, our identity, uh, our personal nature is the conscious mind. And the conscious mind is the creative mind. It has the wishes, desires, aspirations, positive thoughts. It's the one that you create life with in your head. And, and then the subconscious mind is the equivalent of a, a, a tape record playback unit. It records experiences as behaviors and then makes them habits. So when you push the button, it just plays the habit so you don't have to relearn the experiences and, and, and go through that, that whole learning process over every time we come into the same kind of stimuli. So... Uh, one, uh, the subconscious mind is like this push button, uh, and actually people frequently say, oh, oh, that guy pushed my buttons, and, and my behavior ran away, or something like that. Uh, it's the same term. So why this is relevant is this, is we have a belief that we run our lives with our conscious wishes and desires. Oh, yes, I want, I want to have great relationships. I want to be healthy. I want to have a job, make money. This is what I want, my conscious mind. And then I go out into the world, and then I struggle and try to get these things. And, and I'm left with a, a, a belief that, well, 
uh, there are forces outside of me that are controlling my life because I wanted to be healthy, and look, I got sick, or I wanted to have great relationships, and I can't seem to find one, and so that there's a conflict here where uh, I can't seem to get to my wishes or my desires, and and they're not, and I blame the the universe because it's like, well, I'm trying and I'm not getting there, so it must be forces against me. And now here's the the revelation: we now find that we only run our life about five percent of the time with our conscious creative mind. That ninety-five percent of our life is coming from the automatic habitual programs that are stored in the subconscious mind. And uh, and here here's a, an unfortunate situation. The word subconscious means below level of consciousness. So that means when you're engaging in these subconscious behaviors, your consciousness is not involved with it. It's just an automatic uh, pushing the button, playing the tape. And, and, and therefore, most of this subconscious behavior is totally invisible. Uh, when I give a, uh, my lectures, I, I usually tell the audience something like, okay, I'm sure you have a friend in your history, a friend that you were very close with, and you knew your friend and knew the, your friend's behavior, and you also knew your friend's parent. And you saw that your friend shared some of the same behavior that their parent has. So, you know, one day you volunteer very casually. You say something like, hey, you know, Bill, you're just like your dad. And then you back away from Bill. I mean, Bill's the first guy who's, like, in shock that you can compare him to his dad. It's sort of like, how, how could you say that? And, and, and while most people are very familiar with it and they think it's quite humorous, I say, humorous as it is, it's one of the most profound things if you understand the meaning of it. It goes like this. Everybody else can see that Bill behaves like his dad. It's only Bill who doesn't see it. And the significance is why? Because he got the behaviors from his dad into his subconscious mind program, and when he plays it, he doesn't see it. So when he's behaving like his dad, he's the only one who doesn't see it. And why is that important? Because it just is an example of the automatic behaviors in the subconscious are invisible to us. And then the bottom truth. We're all Bill. All of us have been programmed with subconscious beliefs, and we're all playing them. And now science recognizes that these programs are playing 95% of the time. And, and then I say, but here's the last problem about it, and that is the fundamental programs in that subconscious mind came from observing other people such as our parents and our family and our community during the uh, from from the gestation period and fetal development through the first six years of our lives we are unconsciously downloading programs by observing other people's behavior and they become our programs and, and and when people tell you about yourself as a child like oh you're not smart enough you're not good enough or you're a sickly child or who do you think you are or, you don't deserve things these statements if you hear them before you're six become part of that subconscious program and then the rest of your life you're playing this 95 percent of the time and you don't see it and that's where the conflicts in life come from because when we go back into that subconscious, we'll find that most of those very early programs are limiting or self-sabotaging or disempowering, and therefore we are 95% of our lives playing programs that conflict with our conscious wishes and desires. And, uh, and so therefore, uh, uh, we don't see it. And there we go out into the world, and all we see is the struggle of trying to get to where our conscious mind wants to take us and finding a struggle to get there and then thinking it was an outside problem. 
when it actually turns out it was our own invisible behavior that was sabotaging us from getting to where we want to go. So, Bruce, we'll come back to the the program perceptions in a minute, but I'd love you to spend a couple of minutes now, as you've raised it, talking about uh, conscious parenting right back from the womb. Oh, nature is very intelligent. Nature gives us some programs genetically when we start off. They're called instincts. So, uh, you know, an infant, uh, uh, it doesn't have to be taught to put its, pull its hand out of the fire. If an infant puts its hand in the fire, an instinct will automatically generate the behavior and pull the hand out. But besides some basic instincts, uh, the rest of our habits and learning uh, experiences uh, that are put in the subconscious mind come from observing the environment. So we were given instincts to get off the ground, but the rest of our behavior is acquired and learned. And now we recognize that this learning starts while we're still in fetal development. When I was teaching medical school, uh, we talked about what is the role of a mother in parenting uh, in developing a child. And we say, well, the, the mother's nutrition from her blood crosses into the placenta and feeds the child. So the role of the mother is to nourish the child. And they say, well, what about the development of the child? And we used to say, oh, well, the genes control the development of the child. So the mother's role is just to feed it. And so we left out something very important, and that was blood doesn't just have nutrition in it. Blood has all the hormones for uh, regulating the body. It has all the emotional chemistry that influences our behavior, all the growth factors and uh, the connection uh, of the, the cells of the body through the blood with information. Well, we only talk about nutrition crossing the placenta in the early days because we thought genes controlled life, and so all the baby was using was nutrition. The new science of epigenetics says, no, environmental information selects and controls the genes. And now it's like, oh, my God, not only is the mother providing nutrition, but her emotional chemistry, uh, which is controlled by her perceptions and beliefs about life, whether she feels like she's in safety or in harmony or in love or whether she's afraid or concerned about the future, this changes the chemistry of the blood. Well, that chemistry crosses the fetus uh, to the fetus via the placenta and changes the genetics of the fetus via epigenetics. So if the mother is happy, the fetus is happy. If the mother is concerned uh, or fearful, the fetus is, is feeling the chemistry of that because the same emotional chemistry is crossing into the fetus. So Patterns of emotions and behaviors expressed by the mother in her life are represented by the chemistry of her blood, which crosses into the uh, placenta and affects the fetus's development. And and it's not just nourishing the fetus, it's controlling its genetic activity. So basically, the mother uh, is like a genetic engineer. Depending on how she's responding to the world, she'll change the genetic activity of her fetus. Well, it's not just the mother, because the father is connected to the mother. The father screws up. It changes the mother's uh, psychology and behaviors, uh, which then in turn change the fetus. So the parents 
how they respond to the world and their attitudes change the genetics of the child. So if, let's say, the, the parents feel that this child is going to, to upset the balance or harmony uh, of their family, it's like they can't afford it or whatever reasons they can't afford this child, uh, and they have an emotional rejection of this child because, like, oh, this is going to really mess up things, uh, they don't realize if, if the mother is feeling this emotional rejection, that same chemistry crosses into the placenta. The fetus is already experiencing rejection, even though it's developing inside. But that changes the genetics of the child as well. So little un, uh, unknown, uh, relatively unknown, but most important fact, for example, is the attitudes of the mother and the father can affect the intelligence of a child by 52%. You can reduce a child's intelligence 52% by living in fear or living in a threatening environment uh, because the, the, the fetus will not put the energy into the intelligence but will build a body of a street fighter. So you can change the, the fetus uh, based uh, uh, on what's going on in the environment. It's actually what I talk about in the book is the parents are nature's head start program. This fetus is going to develop and live in the world that the parents are experiencing. So nature said, look, since the world is always changing, you can't predict what it's going to be. Nature leaves a window that says, in the development of this fetus, uh, we respond to the, to the parents and change the fetus. Bruce, we're coming up to a second break. That was a fascinating discussion, and I'm sure it's making all parents uh, think about things very carefully. We'll return with uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton after this break. to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure, what's up? Um, there's this girl I kind of like. Well, if there's one thing I know, it's women. Really? Well, they didn't call me velvet for nothing. I don't get it. Smooth. I was smooth. Oh. Anyway, it's easy. You just got to impress her. Show her how strong you are. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? I don't know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt, if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, Ugh! Try it. Ugh! Ugh! <laughs> See, there you go. And you should dress up. Start wearing a shirt and tie. I'll look like a dork. No, you'll look successful. Okay. And finally, you can start using my cologne. <clears throat> the ladies love it, so don't be shy. Splash it on. Thanks, Dad. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To find out how you can adopt, please visit our website at adoptuskids.org or call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. How do we walk our true spiritual path at a time when the Western world is fixated on material gain? More people are now recognizing the emptiness, which comes with this limited approach to life. There is another way. Four years ago, Peter Tong left his position as a high school principal with 30 years experience in the education system and turned to his true calling of a metaphysical life. He now uses his experience and wisdom to provide solutions to personal and organizational challenges. Peter offers corporate workshops and seminars, public meditations, radio interviews, healing sessions, and community visits to bring awareness of the new paradigm. 
The Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Visit PeterTongue.com today to register for events and to purchase his transformative visualization meditation CDs. You can also download the meditation CDs as MP3s if you wish for listening on your computer or on the go. These are available now at PeterTongue.com. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tan. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. And we're having a fascinating discussion with Dr. Bruce Lipton today. Bruce, listening to uh, your talk just before the break just led my mind to this, uh, my own awareness or assumption breaking, I guess, that we've always uh, assumed that the uh, predisposition for any disease that someone has is as a result of, of genetic issues from their family. And, and what I'm hearing you say now, in fact, is what we're really uh, being done is conditioned, programmed by the family heritage going back through time because it's a repeating pattern that we don't know about that actually is responsible. Oh, absolutely. And it's a, and it's a, a pattern that is generated by the responses of, of the parents to the environment that are then influencing the genetics of the child. So uh, how a parent responds to their world can affect the germ cells. It doesn't change. This is interesting because epigenetics doesn't change the genetic code. It changes how the genetic code is read. So a healthy gene in an abnormal environment can create a mutant product or, and vice versa, an actual mutant gene in the correct environment can be rewritten. Uh, the outcome can be rewritten to make something normal. So uh, a, a very important understanding is this. We've always attributed things like cancer to a genetic defect that runs through a family. And then we begin to find, as a study has found out, that when children are adopted into a family that has a cancer, when they're adopted very young into that family, that the adopted child will get the same cancer as the siblings would get if it was genetics, but the adopted child uh, uh, comes com- from completely different genetics. Basically, we're beginning to recognize now that Cancer is primarily epigenetic in its origins. It's, uh, a cancer doesn't happen because one gene goes bad. It takes a minimum of 15 genes to get the cancer off the ground and maybe 200 genes to really create a cancer uh, are affected. So it basically says, well, how do you accidentally affect 200 genes? And the answer, it's not an accident. It's, uh, it's an unfortunate response to a misperception of the environment uh, through epigenetics. And if we change our perception of the environment, then we change our genetics. And, uh, and basically, uh, we re- we're familiar with this all the time. There's something called the placebo effect. Uh, basically, a person could be very sick, and it's their belief that this 
pill or this surgery or whatever it is is going to to heal them and they go through the the process of taking the pills or the surgery they get better uh and they say yes it was the uh, medicine or the or whatever the manipulation was that made me better and then we find out hey it was a sugar pill it actually had you know it's called the placebo and so one third of all healings actually has nothing to do with the chemistry of the drugs except for the mind. And and so it really is incumbent to recognize that we have known this for a long time, but we're finally recognizing the scientific connection, which is empowering because when we teach people that, then people have a choice. They could... They could change their perception, and when they change it, they change their genes. Uh, uh, Dean Ornish, cardiovascular surgeon working on prostate cancer recently, took a group of prostate cancer patients uh, and just changed lifestyle, gave them a, a different diet, gave them some stress reduction techniques and other ways of facilitating their lifestyle and helping them out. And when he followed it, these patients had changes in 500 genes from just changing the way they were they were responding to the world and that many of those changes were shutting off the cancer and other changes were enhancing the health so it says wait we're not victims we we are profoundly powerful in changing these genetics and uh and it doesn't mean because you came through a family that your your fate is in concrete because you by actively changing your perceptions and changing your beliefs, can rewrite uh, the genetics that you came with, in a sense, and correct them. And so there's something called like spontaneous remission. A person who is terminally ill, everybody counts them out, they're going to they're gonna die. And all of a sudden, they, they have this spontaneous remission. And here's what the underlying common character of all spontaneous remission, and that is a change, a profound change in belief or attitude. And a, a patient just letting go of the craziness of their world, thinking, oh, I only have a little bit of time left. I'm just letting all this go. As soon as they do that, they change the genetic readout, and that's where the healing comes from. But that's available to everyone. So, Bruce, how do we actually access the, these unconscious programs that are running 95% of our lives? How do we know those uh, uh, harmful beliefs that we have that we don't even know about? How do we get to them? Well, well, the the, the interesting part, and, and it's like fun when you th- because it's such a reverse of the way we used to look at things. The old days, well, we'd have to go to the psychoanalysis and take our lives apart piece by piece, and who did this and who did that and why this happened uh, uh, to get to the current day. And it turns out you don't even have to do that because ninety five percent of our life is a printout of the subconscious mind. So basically, the life you are living is an expression of your subconscious mind. The things that are working great uh, mean that in your subconscious beliefs, those things that are good and working for you are already built into the system. Those things you're having trouble with, those things that are elusive and you're trying to always track them down and you can't seem to get there, are reflections of programs that are in your subconscious that are not supporting you. So it's like, wow, you don't have to go backwards in time. Your subconscious is printed out into the life that you're experiencing. So you just have to look from where you are, look at the life, and the issues or problems that crop up in your life are actually manifestations of of programs that are not supporting you. So right away, you can see where you have to go in and try to rewrite these subconscious programs by just looking at your life and saying, where am I having a problem? Because that is a reflection of a, a, a program that's not very supportive. 
And then how do you once you've once you've done that? How do you make that shift? How do you how do you actually uh, change okay. the thinking? Okay, uh, the, and here's the hard part. We, for years, forever, we've always thought, well, if the conscious mind becomes aware of the truth or what is needed or desired, it will inform the subconscious mind. So we go to psychoanalysis, and we create in our conscious mind, oh, yeah, my mom did this, my dad did this, and you create this whole thing, and at the end of whatever number of sessions you've gone through, you stop and you say, yeah, uh, I'm aware of why my life turned out this way. And then the, 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 the interesting part is, well, now that you're where did your life change? And the answer is, nope, it's still the same life. And, and, and the issue is why? And the answer is, because the conscious mind and subconscious mind learn in different ways. The conscious mind is creative, so it can do uh, reading and learning and put pieces together and manifest an awareness. The subconscious mind is called the habit mind. And basically is when you repeat things that the subconscious mind then downloads the repetitious pattern as a habit. So just because I say to myself, oh, that's the reason why my life has turned out this way, that awareness doesn't translate into changing the subconscious. You actually have to do a different process of putting data into the subconscious mind than you do for the conscious mind. So just because you become consciously aware of an issue, in no way does that change a habit that's in the subconscious. You have to do something. You either have to habituate the new behavior by making a religious repeating of the process, just like you learned anything the first time. You repeat it, and you repeat it, and you repeat it until it becomes automatic. And yet there are newer, more effective ways of of getting that information in besides the old-fashioned repetition. Uh, they're sort of like the equivalent of pushing the record button on a tape player. If you push that record button, you can download new behaviors very quickly, sometimes in just minutes. And uh, uh, behaviors that you can correct, uh, behaviors that have affected your whole life in just minutes if you know how to push that record button. Well, there are a variety of new ways of doing this. They're called energy psychology. Uh, on my website, brucelipton.com, I have a list of resources of all new kinds of modalities of how you can more effectively get into the subconscious and rewrite the program. And, and it's exciting because your life can change on a dime as fast as you can, uh, you know, press this button and process this information, which sometimes I said minutes, you can rewrite a limiting or disempowering belief in that short period and walk away a different person. So this is the exciting news. If we didn't have this, this would be a very scary pro program, Peter, because I would say, oh, yeah, uh, you've all been programmed. You're finished. <laughs> and it's like, no, no, we can rewrite them. And it takes us to do it. It's an active process. You, you, you actually have to participate in the rewriting of your program, but you can do it, and you can create heaven on earth by eliminating all those uh, self-sabotaging beliefs we acquired as children. I think you're talking about some of the, the uh, people I've had on the show, actually, people like Len Lasko with Hollow Energetics and Daryl Gurney with Psych-K. Absolutely. Those are the sorts of modalities you're talking about. Absolutely, and I get very excited because uh, I'm talking from personal experience, not just uh, like, oh, that's a, that's a nice process, uh, because my life is, once I, I got out from teaching genes uh, and victims of genetics as I was teaching medical students and started to get into this new stuff, I had to become my own experiment. I mean, I had to say, if these principles are right, I'm, I have to, uh, I, I was used to, I used to just talk to people and tell them, 
oh, intellectually, look, look at how, how this equation works. See how these proteins work. And, and I get all excited. I say, but you see, if you understand this, you can create this most fabulous life. And in the early days, I would get anybody to listen to this, but it, by the end of the talk, they'd look at me and their heads would cock over and they'd say, hey, Lipton, for a guy who says you know this stuff, your life doesn't look that good. <laughs> uh, and I realized this, and I essentially said to them, oh, well, do as I say, not as I do. And I realized, oh, my God, you can't do that. And I, I actually stopped lecturing for a while because I said, if I don't prove, you know, prove this in my own life, uh, then I can't stand in front of people and tell them about this. And, and and the surprise was virtually instantaneously when I actually made a conscious application of this awareness to my life, my life changed right there on the spot. Uh, and it was the most exciting thing that ever happened because it's time for our empowerment. So, Bruce, we're coming up to our final break, and so uh, we'll talk about spontaneous evolution when we return. This is Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. How do we walk our true spiritual path at a time when the Western world is fixated on material gain? More people are now recognizing the emptiness, which comes with this limited approach to life. There is another way. Four years ago, Peter Tung left his position as a high school principal with 30 years experience in the education system and turned to his true calling of a metaphysical life. He now uses his experience and wisdom to provide solutions to personal and organizational challenges. Peter offers corporate workshops and seminars, public meditations, radio interviews, healing sessions, and community visits to bring awareness of the new paradigm, the awakening to conscious co-creation. Visit petertongue.com today to register for events and to purchase his transformative visualization meditation CDs. You can also download the meditation CDs as MP3s if you wish for listening on your computer or on the go. These are available now at petertongue.com. When you have a stroke, you may not even notice it right away. But then... Time passes, and the symptoms get worse. One minute you feel fine, and the next, your speech could be slurred or not make sense. One side of your body might become numb. You might see double. You drop the TV remote because you can't hold up your arm. That's because, after a stroke, every minute you don't get help is another minute that your brain is being starved of oxygen. The warning signs of a stroke include sudden numbness or weakness of the face, arm, or leg, sudden trouble seeing, speaking, or understanding. If you experience any of these warning signs, call 911 immediately, because time lost is brain lost. Visit strokeassociation.org or call 1-888-4-STROKE today. A public service announcement from the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Be Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network.
listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host Peter Tung. Before the break, uh, Bruce, you've given us an incredible uh, fast track of the new biology, but you've also, in your new book, Spontaneous Evolution, applied that new biology to the evolution of the planet itself. And and we appear to be in a a critical, chaotic state at the moment, and yet you say there's proof that we are poised to take an incredible step forward in the growth of our species. So I'd love to hear what you have to say about that. Well, it's very exciting to extend the understanding of how our personal beliefs affect our personal lives. That's what the biology of belief is all about. And we just talked about how when I change my beliefs, I change my biology and I change my behavior. And then I began to realize at some point, but what happens if there's a belief collected by a large number of people and they're sharing the same belief? Well, not only are they affecting their own uh, immediate behavior, but if we share a large belief and a large portion of the population shares the same belief, then we actually collectively manifest that belief uh, as a mass population. And why that's important is if we look at civilization, we find that civilizations have come and gone. I mean, most frequently people talk about, oh, like the end of the Roman civilization. Uh, and now we're facing very much the end of civilization uh, in the same terms. And I said, well, what's responsible as a driving force for an evolutionary change in civilization. The answer is, when the beliefs of the civilization change, the the beliefs that we hold as a collective population change, and the mass believes something different, then the behavior changes as a response to the mass. So, for example, uh, if I if I said, hey, let's have a war today, uh, and I'm the only guy saying it, it's like, well, well obviously nothing's going to really happen, but you get a million people to say, let's have a war today, and you sure as heck are going to have a war. And so, as the mass uh, entertain the same belief, then we'd create that re- reality. Well, the beliefs that we've been living by that have generated the civilization that we live in today are creating our uh, our own extinction that uh, scientists have recognized that uh, the loss of species is at an unprecedented rate that uh, there have been mass extinctions on this planet before about five of them in fact where life essentially got wiped out and started all over again and the five previous ones were due to things like asteroids or comets hitting the environment and upsetting the world and the bio the biosphere you know essentially dying out and starting over again the scientists recognize that, looking at the loss of species and the loss of environment, uh, that we are now into the sixth mass extinction. And what's interesting is that the, the cause is much closer to home because science has recognized that human behavior is responsible for this. And therefore, our survival is based on changing human behavior. Well, the process of our behavior, why, why we've been living this way, because we've been living according to truths about life that we got from science, that we're oh, just uh, accidents of genetics, that's how we got here, and there's no purpose for our existence, and that we're all engaged in a struggle for our survival, the Darwinian view of competition and a survival of the fittest. So we're all out there in a, in a world that's based on a Newtonian belief of a 
mechanical, physical world, striving to survive, and recognizing our, our, our survival is based on our material acquisitions. The more powerful you are, the fitter, presumably, you are, the more you possess and money and possessions. And it's like, wow, okay, that's a vision, but guess what? We now find out, no. We didn't get here by genetic accidents. We got here through an adaptive process that all living forms adapted to fit into an environment. And so that we didn't uh, uh, get here by accident. We did have a purpose because every organism was brought into the environment, into the garden, so to speak, to create harmony. And that you don't do this by the belief that we've been living by, which is competition, because the Garden of Eden is an example of cooperation. So all the beliefs that we've been living by have been causing a destruction of our civilization, of our physical world, and are leading us to an extinction, and yet we have new beliefs. And the new beliefs are just coming into the public. For example, we talked about you're not a victim of your genes, you're a master of your genes. Well, that completely turns upside down the belief of, uh, of victimization. It says we can control this. We can control things. So you look at the world, you see the chaos, and then you say, but why, why do we have the chaos? And the answer is because of the beliefs that we have, we've been living. And we've, as we collectively change the beliefs as a group, we change the expression of the world, and we can evolve into the sustainable level. So the crisis that we face is a crisis that says your old beliefs are, are not sustainable and we have to entertain new beliefs. Uh, Einstein had a quote, you can't solve the problems with the same thinking that created them. And so the issue is, all oh, the way we've been living is the way is the way we've been thinking and the way we created. So we're changing our beliefs and providing for a new foundation. And so when you look at the world and it looks chaotic and it looks like it's turning upside down, that's a good sign. And the reason is why. Because if we continue doing what we're doing, the direction is clear. We're going toward extinction. So the only way we can evolve is to break the structure that is leading us that way and create a new foundation. And from that new foundation, create a sustainable existence, which means we're on the process of undoing a structure to create a more sustainable structure. And what I usually talk about in my lectures, I give people the analogy. I say, look, cells are like miniature people. Uh, this is what I talk about. And I say, imagine you're one of the billions of cells inside a caterpillar. And the caterpillar is growing every day. All the cells have jobs. They're working. There's an economy. The, the interior uh, world of the caterpillar with billions of cells in that civilization are growing. The economy growing, the industry is growing, you know, is building this bigger and bigger caterpillar, and one day, caterpillar stops taking in food. And at some point, you start to see the cells in there saying, hey, wait, you know, I'm in the digestive system. There's no food coming in. Uh, I have no job. <laughs> and the cells start to fall apart inside. The structure starts to fall apart. The interior of the caterpillar, all the cells are losing their jobs. And many cells are actually committing biological suicide called apoptosis. And there's just turmoil and upheaval. And from within the group, there are individual cells, which I love the name of them. They're called imaginal cells. And they're genetically identical, all the other cells, but they see the world differently. And the imaginal cells start to coordinate and organize the other cells to create something different. And from the dissolution of the caterpillar, the billions of cells start to restructure and create a different structure called the butterfly. And it's an evolutionary advance. And from the destruction of the caterpillar evolves or emerges this new uh, organization of civilization that is now referred to as a butterfly.
So Bruce, we've got to come to a stop there. <laughs> this oh, time okay, well, the world is in by. Caterpillar, and we're going to the butterfly, and that's what's going on. And so we all have to be imaginal selves, don't we? In this that's what everybody on this line that's listening to this conversation, they're already part of the imaginal selves. They're thinking <laughs> differently. And well, that's Bruce, how we get out of it. This has been wonderful. I really appreciate your time <laughs> and your brilliance. It's been a fantastic uh, opportunity for our listeners and for me personally. So thank you so very much indeed. I appreciate it, Peter. Thank you and the audience very much. Okay. Bye-bye now. Bye. <laughs> Catch my breath before we finish the show. Next week, my guest is Ellie Crystal of crystallinks.com, one of the biggest metaphysical websites in the world. And she'll have some interesting comments to make about her website and her metaphysical life. This is Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Wishing you a wonderful week. found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tong for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.